You are listening to Think Theory Radio. 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 Hello and welcome to Think Theory Radio, the show that brings you topics outside the mainstream realm of thought and ideas to make you think. And I'm your host, Damien Perdue, your weird guide on this scientifical ride of astonishing delights. Of course, I'm joined by Polly C. Yo, yo, yo. The C stands for crazy. Crazy? I don't know. I was trying to think of a synonym for weird. No, I guess that's not really. Um, I don't know. Outlandish? <laughs> bizarre? <laughs> and that's because today it's time for... That's right. It's another edition of... Weird science and tales to astonish, 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 astonish. And yes, there is much weird science. There's always some weird science stuff going on. Always. Can, I can well, never science, not science, find things. Yeah, science ex- itself is sometimes very weird. That's true. And interesting. And astonishing. And astonishing. <laughs> There's I, never any shortage I, of these no, stories. I never, I, never, I never have a problem finding mm-hmm. them. And also now, you know, after years of doing this, the algorithms, they just they just send me stuff <laughs> here. We know what you like. <laughs> it finds you. Yeah. You know, like so, like headlines like microplastics found in sediment layers untouched by modern humans. Wow. <laughs> I know. At first I was like, what? How, how is it even possible? They find their way into everything, man. Microplastics. Yeah. Although I did see a brief headline that says you can boil microplastics out of tap water. Who, who's saying that? Scientists. Paid <laughs> the scientists? Internet. Yeah, paid, paid I, by the plastic companies. Um, I'm wondering if, right. if a water and or plastic company, uh, like, hey, we've done some research. Right. If you just boil it. Yeah, it's fine. I don't. Can we get a chemist in here to kind of tell us what yeah. the byproduct would be? If there's any chemist listening? Yeah, I know we do have a we do have a listener who's a chemist. I think he's called in a listeners. couple of times. Yeah, let us know if that's a possibility because it seems very. And plus, it's not something I really want to do every day. So I got to like yeah. sit there. I already have my Brita filter on the faucet. You know, mm-hmm. like then I'm gonna filter it out. Then I boil it. So, yeah, could could Brita just make the microplastic <laughs> filter already? <laughs> Come on. Get with it. Yeah. Well, I guess they found uh, found it in sediment layers that date back as early as the first half of the 1700s. That shows microplastics' pernicious ability to infiltrate environments untouched by modern humans. Or is it just the disturbance of a new thing that's heavier than... The molecules of water. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm completely talking out of out of school here because I do not know. But I would I would think that that's why modern plastics are penetrating sediment layers from centuries ago because it's just the weight distribution or right. just disturbance and whatever the water is. I'm assuming yeah. this is in water. Of course, this is. Right. No, this was no, in sediment. sediment. In sediment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at the bottom of a True. river or. Uh, it says, or, or yes, just, you are right. Yeah, yes, yeah. So a team of European researchers made this alarming discovery after studying the sediment layers at three lakes in Latvia. Yeah, um, but we should also take into account like what's the Latvian uh, waste distribution policy there. Yeah, that's true. That is a good. You know, uh, I'd like to see other countries. Right, just, if uh, they just dump stuff. Yeah, yeah if it's a uh, very. Uh, I don't know. No, Latvia is how environmental. I'm not implying. I'm just curious to know every country has different different ideas. Of oh what yeah, to do well, with and things. also like there's a lot of countries that struggle with garbage waste, mm-hmm. um, or they don't, don't conveniently live next to an ocean. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, even here, I mean, a lot of the recycling was getting done in China. We were yeah. sending stuff out, and then you know, several years ago, they were like, "No more." Yeah. You guys are <laughs> even that doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose to like we're going to save the environment by outsourcing this yeah, and wasting more carbon emissions mm-hmm. to get this done as if recycling doesn't already have a, its own share of 
carbon emissions just to recycle things. Yeah. <laughs> well, so even that perhaps maybe the Earth Day episode we can get into that. Go. Yeah, hmm. that is a good one. About a month away. Uh, it says even in Antarctica, they have found microplastics in several so- snow samples that have uh, seemingly arrived there by the wind. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Just blowing all yeah. around. Well, I mean, it's one of the things, too, that people don't realize is your cars, you know, you're driving. The, the friction of the tire on the road creates microplastics that just fly in the air. I didn't know that, but yeah, that would yeah. make sense. So we're just, it's, you know, doomed. <laughs> I guess because it's a sy- synthetic between plastic yeah. and rubber. Is that what tires are? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, essentially any kind of petroleum product. Yeah. Right, is, it's the big petro companies, man. They're keeping us slaves to plastic. Yeah. And once again, who did the water study? Exactly, right? <laughs> and, you know, speaking of plastics, um, a big uh, fan of the show, avid listener, friend of the show, Jose sent me a video of them making feed for pigs, right? And as a worker in this, uh, I guess you could call it like a factory or whatever, it was, you know, uh, shot video of it because he was trying to expose it, trying to whistleblow. And there were just literally tons of plastic garbage. They were grinding up into the, the pig's feed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ugh. And, you know, in this video, it shows you that in most states in the U.S., that's technically legal to do. Ugh. So, like, does that affect, like, are these, like, Pigs that we're eating? Yes. Is, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, not me. I, I don't yeah, eat yeah okay, yeah, but th- those of us that enjoy bacon. <laughs> There's no plastics on vegetables. Yeah. Probably. No, there, it is. Yeah, I mean, growing is. certain things. I'm I mean, sure. unless you can get, like, organic stuff that's not grown, but any, you know, that has the wax and stuff on there or, mm-hmm. you know, sprayed with who knows what or mm-hmm. engineered by Monsanto, <laughs> a.k.a. Bear, because, you know, Bear owns them. They bought them out. Um, yeah. So more microplastics everywhere, even deep in the sediment. Yeah. <laughs> and in pig's feed. I'm waiting um, for the climate change deniers on that one, you know, except for that'd be, a, you know, the microplastics deniers. You know, I, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's not true. Logically, you could say that mankind from the Industrial Revolution on has been mm-hmm. kind of uh, exponentially making the environment worse with emissions and pollution and all that yeah. and then you've got the post-war uh, revolution of all the plastics that have come about so we haven't had the long-term effects studied yet so mm-hmm. i imagine that some of these things are now illuminating us into what the what the problems are so we could either keep cranking out plastics right and hoping that we evolve and develop some sort of uh, gills to process uh, <laughs> plastic i mean that is kind of an interesting thing when you think about how humans have adapted to our environment like will we become but this seems of, like a big one though yeah microplastics i mean and i don't know how deep they've gone into studying will, our digestive systems and how we process it will this lead to more cancers or ailments or yeah i don't know i know whenever i think it always reminds me of you know and i'm dating myself here but when i was a kid they used to have these wax like lips that you could yeah, buy they're like yeah, you know what i mean yeah. and chew on them <laughs> which they're like candy but yeah. you don't really eat them no like, i know uh, and like Those okay then you, you smile ah oh, what a goofy face yeah. now what you've just spent like a dollar on yeah i know nonsense and then you just shoot the flavor goes away in like two seconds yeah <laughs> Never understood what the point of that was. But it's I just think it's like you're just chewing plastic, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, before we move on to another weird science tale, let's take a phone call. We got Jim. What's going on, Jim? Hey, guys. First of all, did you guys ever see the graduate? Hoffman, the oh, yeah. Plastics, my boy. Plastics. <laughs> Go into plastics. <laughs> and the other one, the other one is the... Uh, the uh, poisoner of the Tylenol guy in the oh, yeah. 70s, that caused havoc. Because when I grew up, if you bought a bottle or something or something, you could just unscrew the top and it worked. Now you need a screwdriver and a magnifying glass and you're going to get the plastic off of it. And, uh, and, and the truth <laughs> of the matter is, it, you know, like Swanson dinners or any of that stuff, they didn't have a plastic film over the top of it. 
A lot mm. of times, if you're cooking anything like that, you're cooking anything like that, you've got to be very, very careful to get rid of all that plastic mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the top of the product. But uh, I don't know. You think the species can? Uh, they said cancer is going to go exponentially higher. I don't know. Maybe it does have something to do with plastic, uh, but I don't know. I, yeah, amongst other but things, yeah. I, you know, I think various frequencies and waves and. Yeah. Pollution to the environment. Water. Wait, you're saying 5G? No, no, I'm not saying 5G. <laughs> Paul, where are you going? Where are you going with this? No, yeah, I mean, there's, no, I mean, pollution. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would generally think that eating plastic or any kind of is is detrimental to your health, whether it causes cancer or not. I also think living under power lines probably isn't a great idea. So it's not that I'm saying so much 5G. I know. Just, I, I think know. proximity to any sort of for sure. Radio, I mean, it's it's. Radio yeah, activity. it's, it's it's all radio. And, and animals, and animals, animals have to eat it. You think about uh, they've got to get their, their snazzes in the plastic. It's got to be everywhere. You know, they dump garbage. Well, I don't know if you just so heard. Forth. I was just talking about there was like an expose on how they they grind plastic into pigs feed, and they feed. Pigs. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah no, that's one way to recycle. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, guys. Anyway, thanks for taking my call, guys. All right, sure. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> And now on to something more positive. <laughs> there is a uh, new light-based communication network being uh, created. It works on land, sea, and in air. Okay. And it was, was like a uh, bat signal or yeah. uh, uh, telecommunications. Morse code. Talking about 5G, see, it all yeah, correlates. Right, yeah. Yeah. So researchers from China use different spectra of light to maximize data transmission in various modes and setting up interoperability between them. Uh, this has uh, developed a research collaboration between Nanjing University of Posts and Telecommunications and Suzhou Lighting Chip Monolithic Optoelectronics Technology Company. <laughs> Say that five times. Yeah, first. right. <laughs> and uh, this is, they tried it out on, you know, in all the different uh you know, earth, wind, <laughs> earth, wind, and fire. And, uh, yeah. The, <laughs> the band? <laughs> yeah. The team used blue light for undersea applications uh, since seawater has a reduced absorption window for blue-green light. And this allows signals to travel farther underwater and communicate with underwater devices or buoys. Above the water, these white LEDs to transmit information between buoys and ships or above-water vehicles... In the air, deep ultraviolet light was used for communication since the light spectrum is protected from interference from sunlight. In outer space, they even went to outer space. A near-infrared spectrum was used. To make this system useful in the current scenario, the researchers also created a network that allows different devices to access the Internet through a TCP IP scheme so that devices can function as the Internet of Things terminals. The all-light communication could be used in oceans and lakes where sensors gather ecological data and communicate with surface buoys, says Zheng Xin Wang from Nanjing University, who led the research effort. The data could then be sent wirelessly over the water surface or across long-distance transmission links between cities. The network can also connect to the Internet, granting people in a remote ocean location access to the backbone network for information sharing. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. A new way to transmit things. I mean, it's kind of what, you know, it's 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 like fiber optics without the wires. Mm-hmm. You know, fiber optics are interesting as well. I guess we could stay underwater, although there was also in space. Why not? Let's go back underwater. <laughs> Let's go back underwater. Underwater is kind of kind of like space. It's mysterious. That's true. It is actually very similar to space, and yeah. that's why, like NASA and different other space agencies, they have their astronauts train underwater. Crazy. It's very similar yeah. to the uh, weightlessness effect. Weightlessness, the, the compression, mm-hmm. the aliens, <laughs> and the octopi. The octopi standing in for the aliens. Mm-hmm. It's actually a new or semi new. Uh, show that i've been watching called resident alien it's a comedy it's like a dark comedy okay about an alien who crash lands and he's trying to blend in but he comes from the species that the octopus are descended from okay okay and he kind of explains it and they're like yeah the you know the first you know microbe of an octopus was on one you know an asteroid that came from our planet and crashed into earth and 
that's how that species runs. So he yeah. can like communicate with octopi. <laughs> it's pretty good because the octopus in it, like, and they can speak telepathically. And this one human's like, well, what do you, well, why haven't they talked to us before? And it's like, well, look, you put them in, you're trying to eat them. Why would they talk to you? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but no, this is uh, a ship sailed to the end of the earth. Oh no. <laughs> a flat earth theory. I know. That's, that's what's funny too. When I read that, I was like, well, there is no end of the earth. It's round. You know, the big ice shelf. Or is it? <laughs> right. And they discovered 100 new life forms. Okay. I mean, that's always happening, right? With the, uh, the ocean. Yeah. I mean, there's so much unexplored. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this was a, from January 8th to February 11th, the research vehicle Falcor 2. Was it Falcor? What was that from? Uh, never ending story. Yes. That's right. It was like pet yeah. little yeah. white dragon thing. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of look like a dog. Yeah. I also look like yeah, a, a little furry white a guy. Yeah. Uh, belonging to the Schmidt Ocean Institute, mapped 20,400 square miles of the Southeast Pacific and discovered around 100 new marine species in the process. These species include squat lobsters. Isn't that a B-52 song? Squat, <laughs> squat, lobster. squat lobster? No, that's rock lobster. <laughs> <laughs> Glass sponges, sea urchins, amphipods, and more. During the expedition, researchers also cataloged four undiscovered sea mounts, one of which that was more than two miles tall. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Two miles tall? Yeah. That's like Denver piled on top of Denver. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's. I've been reading about that, too, like all these huge underwater mountains they found and even like under the under the water like near the mantle and the crust in between there's mountains well isn't um i forgot if it was hawaii or a different island i think it's hawaii those islands technically are the tallest mountains in the world Mm. you're just only seeing the part that's over water you know the the mountain that eventually that island's on is is taller than everest when you go all the way to the bottom of it yeah yeah but I guess that makes sense because it's just a volcano on top of itself. Mm-hmm. So it just keeps plopping. Yeah, it just keeps yeah. bubbling over mm-hmm. and creating more of itself. So Take yeah, that, uh, icebergs <laughs> melting. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going right. to fart out more land from the core. Right. Uh, yeah, so I guess, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Finding more and more species. And different kind of contained ecosystems. Yeah. I say we should put more money into exploring uh, the oceans than space. Although I do love space. But there's so much we don't know about the oceans. Yeah. What life is down there. Maybe there's something down there that can save us from the microplastics. Maybe. Some kind of organism that eats it and loves it. Wasn't They have found some. Yeah, uh, like enzymes and stuff. Bacteria and stuff that eat it. But we're talking like a super manatee, right? Yeah. It's like you, like something substantial, something like bigger, a, or like the tardigrades, the kraken, the the kraken, <laughs> or like uh, even even on a smaller scale, like the tardigrades, yeah. like beefy cousin or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, let's take it on. Yeah, bring on the microplastics. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back. We'll get more into some weird science and tales to astonish. Right this after this, stuff for breakfast, bro. <laughs> Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. And we've been talking about hundreds of new species found in the ocean. <laughs> Hit the wrong button. <laughs> now, there might be a Freemason story in here somewhere. That, that wouldn't really be weird science, would it? <laughs> well, you know, some Let's Masons are scientists. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> and uh, many other interesting stories because we're doing... <laughs> And also because why not? Freemasons run the country! (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of tales, we finally know why humans don't have them. Yeah, why not? 
just get in the way. We didn't need imagine. Yeah, well, yeah, sitting on our butts, you <laughs> right. know, like the tail would be all yeah, weird. Exactly. It'd be like uh, with the John Candy character from Spaceballs, where it's like like his tail is like hitting the waitress. Yeah, yeah. So it's got a mind of its own. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, essentially, once uh, you know, the researchers have found out that once humans created the couch, we no longer needed tails mm. to balance on the branches. Interesting. No, there's not. No, okay. <laughs> uh, approximately 25 million years ago, an ancestor, both humans and apes, genetically diverged from monkeys and lost its tail. And no one had identified the genetic mutation responsible for this dramatic change in our physiology until now. And a new study was just published on Wednesday in the journal Nature. Researchers identified a unique DNA mutation that drove the loss of our ancestors' tails. It's located in the gene TBXT. I feel like that was like a 90s. T, but TBGXT. Like EDM punk band. TBXT, yeah. man. I think that's like KMFDM. Is that yeah. you're thinking? <laughs> Isn't there another uh, K, KLF or whatever? Yeah, or KLF going to rock you up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what? George Lucas's what? THX11, uh, whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. You ever see that movie, too? No, I've heard yeah. it's good. It is pretty good. Yeah. It's, very, it's low budget, but it's good. 70s sci-fi, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so they figured it out. They figured out. I mean, it was, we kind of always knew it was a genetic mutation, but now they figured out that it was this uh, located in this gene, TBXT. I'm going to go ahead and assume that there was probably um, the tailless uh, animal was... Uh, ostracized by the tailed monkey right. you know what you have no tail no get tail. out of here <laughs> that was you know that's the metaphor of when adam got kicked out the garden it was because he didn't have a tail because <laughs> he didn't have a tail they ate an apple and it fell off yeah. <laughs> or, or they made eve they made eve us. from the tail instead of the rib <laughs> right i feel like that'd be part of like uh Mel Brooks movie. Probably, so. yeah. History of the World, yeah. yeah, part one and a half. I don't know. Well, they did have the new the series. Yeah, you told me that. And then yeah. they did, of course, in part one, the they bring you these 15, yes. oh, 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. Classic. Rolling papyrus. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the ancient stuff that they did. It's been a minute. Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Uniform what, tablets. Well, no, I mean, in the part one, the, what were some of the ancient things they did? Cause oh, it kinda moved you, like, doesn't it move yeah. you through all the way up until like the Renaissance period? Yeah. Or something like that? Yeah. I can't yeah. remember all of it. I, I think they had some on Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of ancient stuff and also weird science. This kind of almost maybe have been an awesome archaeology, but actually it is more weird science. Oh, I got that, too. <laughs> it's a Canadian teenager replicated Archimedes' death ray for Arch- a science project. Archimedes' death ray? What? Yeah. That's the new band. Yeah, I was going to say, but that sounds yeah. like um, like an emo pop punk yeah. band or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to see them at the Burlington. Yeah, later. opening for Fall Out Boy or yeah. something. Yeah. Saw them at the Fireside Bowl, man, back in 95. Say, you're not cool unless you saw Archimedes' death ray. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's always been this legend of a Greek inventor and mathematician Archimedes that made this this death ray using mirrors. <laughs> yeah, okay. That would be able to... to uh, and throw enough light to... To just, Roman ships yeah. and, and cause them to burst in flames. So basically he was like... The kid that was burning ants with the magnifying glass, except for yeah. on a larger scale. Yep. And it took a kid to figure out how he did it. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> One day while burning ants in the backyard. <laughs> so a 13-year-old um, for his science project, a Canadian middle schooler, Brendan Center, designed a science, uh, you know, science prepared to see whether this feat was possible using a miniature version of the death ray. That sounds like one of those kids that's like, I'm going to do that for my project. Like, ah, oh, you're crazy. Right. You're crazy. It was probably like his dad was egging them on. Like, no, no, it's a real thing. You should do this. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get a first. Uh, you're going to get A plus, son. <laughs> Archimedes death ray. It's a thing. Yep. And he did. And I guess this was a, uh, you know, um, a story told about during the siege of Syracuse between 214 and 212 BC, a Roman general, Marcus Claudius Marcellus, 
attempted to invade the island of Sicily. And a historian in the 12th century wrote that by tilting a kind of mirror toward the sun, Archimedes burned up the whole Roman fleet. And uh, for years after, it was like, no, it's just, you know, like a myth. And uh, he used uh, before sunglasses, too. I can imagine that was just very frustrating for those fleets. Just like, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) (laughs) they're over there, but I I can't look in that direction. (laughs) And he built a very if you look it up, he did. He built a very science fair looking model thing. It's almost like the, the volcano. Yeah. Except it's a little mock sea, like a little harbor. Yeah. With, uh, you know, with the with the sun. It's like a light bulb, and then he has like the little boats little and mirrors and yeah, little mirrors and stuff on there. And uh, yeah, he used a hundred watt light bulb, and uh, the first mirror warmed the target by about forty six degrees. The second and third mirror increased the temperature by between thirty eight and forty degrees, while the fourth mirror raised it fifty degrees to one hundred and twenty eight degrees. And if basically scaled up, that this could have been possible. That Archimedes did it. Now that's some huge mirrors, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how would they even do that? I, I don't know. Yeah, the technology that allowed them to make mirrors back in just 200 BC, shining, shiny some, something, yeah. glossy somethings. Mm-hmm. They had mirrors back then. And um, what did they make them out of, though? I mean, I guess they were making glass back then. Yeah. Okay. I th- yeah. yeah, it's just something reflective behind glass. Yeah, it, or maybe it was done through metal or something. I'm not yeah. sure. That one I have to look up. I don't know that one. And it's interesting, too, because Mythbusters tried to do it three times, but they never managed to make it work. Hmm. Um, and in 2005, Archimedes is better than Mythbusters. Archimedes smarter than Mythbusters. <laughs> well, this 13-year-old smarter than oh, Mythbusters. That 13-year-old smarter than Mythbusters. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. Um. I don't know how to go from that to this, but (laughs) (laughs) do it. (laughs) No segue. Scientists discover an ancient pattern hidden in the feathers of birds. Huh. Okay. And it's actually a secret code (laughs) left by God telling us it should have been birds. <laughs> Humans weren't supposed to control the world. It was supposed to be birds. That's why I made them fly. Or they're not real, but I still made them anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're just God's drones, man. <laughs> Sent to spy on all you sinners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so why do you keep shooting them down? <laughs> so there is a... They've studied uh, hundreds of preserved bird specimens from museum collections around the world, and there is a specific set of feather rules behind the power of flight. The newly discovered rules allowed scientists to better predict which dinosaurs could fly to. Hmm. Theropod dinosaurs, including birds, are one of the most successful vertebrate lineages on our planet, says Field Museum of Natural History paleontologist Jingmei O'Connor. One of the reasons that they're so successful is their flight. Another reason is probably their feathers, because they're such versatile structures. He added, they added, uh, examining wing feathers of 346 different species of birds from museums around the world. Field Museum of Natural History ornithologist Yosef Kiat discovered an interesting trend. From the tiniest hummingbird to the fiercest eagle, all flying birds had 9 to 11 asymmetrical flight feathers called primaries. But the number of primary feathers in flightless birds varied immensely. Emus lacked them completely, while penguins fancy themselves up with 40. Do they even have feathers? Or is that like penguin feathers? Or is it... I thought they were just kind of furry-like. Or... <laughs> oh. Well, their feathers, it's just they, you know, they're different kind of... Uh, they're matted down, so yeah, you can't okay. really... They don't look like them in pictures. Yeah. I've never you know. seen a penguin or touched a penguin. At least not. You didn't know close. anyone with a pet penguin? No. And I, I don't, do they even have penguins in our local zoos? I don't. It's been a minute. Yeah, I haven't been. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen a penguin yeah. in real life. Yeah, I don't really. Zoos kind of disturb me a little bit. Well, and at the same time, why would a zoo have, you know, an Arctic or Antarctic yeah. creature? Well, I you know. know this? I mean, they have to have a controlled freezing environment. Yeah, I think Brookfield had that. That's what I thought. Yeah. I, I, 
like a it's fake. been a minute since I've been to Brookfield. It's been a minute since I've been to Lincoln Park. It's been a mm-hmm. couple years since I've been to Milwaukee, and I can't recall ever seeing a penguin at those zoos. Doesn't matter. That's just yeah. I know. Right here. <laughs> but I didn't think they had feathers. I thought they were just kind of little fur balls that just kind of slide everywhere. <laughs> it's because of their feathers. <laughs> they can't fly. <laughs> Penguins can't fly. <laughs> so you ever see the critic? It's uh, anyway. Long story short, yeah. the parents are on a plane, and it's like the pilot's a penguin, and he's been drinking, and he's like, "Wait a minute, penguins can't fly!" And then they crash. <laughs> it's nice. And the whole time, the penguin's like, wah, 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 wah. "I just keep thinking of Batman all the time." So. <laughs> the penguin, Clammy DeVito. Yeah. But also, uh, Colin uh, Colin Farrell played him in, in the latest. The Batman. Oh, the Batman. But the, yeah. there was no penguin in the Christian Bale Dark Knight series, no. was there? Okay. No. But in the newer, yeah, the yeah. Batman, the newer one. Um, he was. Re- I didn't even realize it was him. Who is the best penguin that you think? You know, Danny DeVito, yeah. Colin Farrell, or why can't I think of the dude that played uh, in the Batman series? Because isn't that someone that's famous? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's um um. Ah, the trainer from Rocky, um, Burgess Meredith. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, they're all kind of modeled after him, I feel like. Um, to an extent. It's hard to kind of go past his... I think Danny well, DeVito, like, though, was like the creepiest. Yeah. So I think I would probably go with him. Okay. I, I don't know. I feel like everyone had to owe Cesar Romero kind of the joker card until the heath Heath ledger Ledger, kind of blew it out of the water a little bit although now with joaquin phoenix the joker is pretty yeah but i I think you know you needed heath ledger to kind of break down that door yeah kind of create that uh aesthetic i you know and then i'm trying to think modernize uh, it jim carrey's riddler seemed kind of like the tv show riddler Mm -hmm. you know except for more jim carrey like True. I'm a little out of my league here. I like Batman villains, but I just, you know, that's that's not what, what we're about here today. No, no. And you know, and then uh, I, I can't, uh, I don't know if this is a good, actually, you know what, here we go. Since we're talking about, like, superheroes and, and uh, animals and stuff like that, then we'll go to spiders. That's the only transition I can think. <laughs> there is uh freak show spiders and their six foot webs are invading American cities. The Democrats are letting them in. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. <laughs> six foot <laughs> freak show spiders. Freak, freak show spiders. Freak show. Sp- <laughs> freak show spiders are coming to cities and trailers and with their six foot webs. <laughs> Uh, first spot in the United States in 2013, the native East Asian Joro spider is now spreading along the East Coast. Mm. They're letting them in from China. I'm not gonna no, no, it's the, the invasive species yes. aspect. The uh, yeah, researchers say that the spider isn't bothered by the urban environment or American climate. <laughs> okay, not that bad here. <laughs> Positioning it to continue to move northward to Georgia, from Georgia. Right, <laughs> set like up it. web here. <laughs> New York's pretty cool. Yeah. A female Joro spider can reach three inches across and create an orbed web up to six feet across. An orbed web? Like a round web? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so the people are alarmed that a spider that can grow three inches across builds orb webs that can stretch more than six feet and doesn't seem to be bothered by our environment. In fact, they thrive under very human-developed conditions. Yeah, probably more things to get trapped in that web. Mm. What's the largest thing they maybe can eat? they like to eat microplastics? <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll be our savior. Or like the rat rat problem gets taken care of by the spiders. <laughs> so yeah, so look out for the orb weaving spider. They're pretty cool looking. They're like blue and yellow, <laughs> like stripes. Yeah, like blue with like yellow stripes going down their legs. <laughs> Do spiders have web legs, or is this a yeah? Sp- spiders, spiders have like eight of them, I think. Yeah. I didn't know there's a, a name <laughs> for call it, you know. Like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> hey, I'm looking. At, I'm looking forward to seeing them. They look. They're pretty. 
And then, you know, going from spiders, what do spiders make? Webs. The James Webb Telescope. Telescope. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Makes an unexpected find in the outskirts of our solar system. An alien spaceship. No. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) Like James Webb just like, hey, what's that? Oh, there's the mothership. It's just sitting there. (laughs) It's in our solar system's proverbial no man's land. That's actually a very true statement. There is... (laughs) There's, although it's not land. Well, yeah, it's Nowheresville, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. The, there, it's crazy to think how big our solar system is. Oh, yeah. You know, like just because it's like our neighboring planets, we think like, you know, like, oh, gosh, there's things that are way out there. It's mm-hmm. like even if like aliens were moving at the rate that we can move in space and it's like we found them out by Neptune, it's like, well, it's going to be a few generations before yeah. they get here. So oh, yeah. <laughs> Got time to prepare. <laughs> They don't run out of fuel along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even traveling at the speed of light when you go into space, that's not even that fast, really. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, because well, how many light years things exactly, are away? Right. Do we need to pull up that Dan Hooper know, promo? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we just need to cut up a bunch of his, you know, right? statements. So right. we just drop them in whenever this stuff gets brought up. All the Think Theory promos are going to be Dan Hooper promos right. from now on. Or even just for the Weird show. Science Show. So oh, whenever yeah. stuff like this comes up. Wait, didn't he say something about that? And just drop there it in. There you go. There you go. Well, you this start. remote area is uh, inhabited by ice-clad worlds like Pluto, which is now a dwarf planet. Um, it's called the Kuiper Belt, a donut-shaped region surrounding much of our solar system. And we've been finding... Uh, these icy objects that we thought were dead, there's evidence that they're not so dead after all. Dun, 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 dun. Hmm. We see some interesting signs of hot times and cool places, <laughs> says Christopher Glein, a scientist at the Southwest Research Institute. He previously conducted research into Saturn's geyser shooting moon and Cladius. Uh, led this new investigation to the Kuiper Belt objects, which published in the planetary science journal Icarus. Uh, science has trained the, uh, the Webb Telescope, which orbits one million miles from Earth, on the two largest known Kuiper Belt objects, Eris and Makemake, or Makemake. I don't know. This instrument is fitted with specialized cameras that can detect different types of elements and molecules, like water and carbon dioxide on distant worlds. What they found was a surprise. The icy orbs and objects of the Kuiper Belt are thought to be preserved primordial relics of the early solar system. But the frozen methane identified on the surfaces of Eris show these molecules are recently more recently cooked up <laughs> somebody's out there cooking things up man it's god <laughs> this suggests hot interiors beneath these icy crusts capable of propelling liquid or gas onto the surface the relatively of recent methane deposits also su- suggest that these worlds could potentially even harbor oceans just like the icy moons of europa that orbits jupiter there's going to be Octopuses living on these asteroids. <laughs> telling you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, they've been finding out more and more. They've even found out that this uh, belt is even bigger than we thought it was. And it stretches. How did they? I mean, I guess because of the James Webb telescope. James Webb, but also the Voyager, Voyager 2, because it's yeah. gone way past that and, or somewhere around there. Um, so yeah, I've been figuring out, oh, the solar system's even bigger than we thought it was. There See, might be even planets. That stuff. There could be even more planets still within our solar system that we can't see visibly yet. Yeah. Which is interesting too. That's crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break and let your mind percolate. <laughs> Did you know that like the rotation of Jupiter's like... 10 hours or something like that like they they're spinning fast that's wild yeah but it still takes them like 12 years to go around the sun what if it wasn't for the gravity of jupiter oh it's insane yeah all the asteroids would have crashed onto earth and we there would be no humans oh and just the planets probably flying uh flying in weird directions so we gotta pray that's why we pray to jupiter because it saved us (laughs) all right we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll get to your phone calls and more weird science on think theory radio
Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. What's interesting is that beat reminds me well the what the the, the sample in there the kind of sounds like like whale sounds, right? A little bit. No. Like like that part. Oh, okay, I can, yeah. Anyway, I guess. To- yeah, let's go with it. Because I'm sure this is going to be about whales, right? Yes. Okay. You're not going to be weird on me and do like the country, though, right? It's like actual like right. porpoise, like whales. Like, no, the singer like, whale. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> There's a singer whale? Yeah. Is it like related to seal? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually the mystery of whale song. Yeah. What are they saying to each other? Was unraveled by scientists. Or Dory the fish. Hmm. You don't get that one, do you? Uh, no. You ever see Finding Nemo? I, you know, I... You I, can't I, talk to whales! <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they've figured it out. They're basically just saying humans are trash. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, a lot of animals. Some more humans again. If only animals could talk. I wonder what they say. I don't think you want to hear what they right. say. You know, it's like, it's like the telepathic all the other countries octopus. must love America right. like I do. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why all the you know they're all telepathic. That's they just don't want to talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the Rick and Morty where he could hear what the squirrels were saying? And it turned out I, yeah, sure squirrels were the ones that were like planning everything. Like right. oh, we need to get a coup going down in South America. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember reading a story though about uh, the grid. You know, like the U.S. grid, right? Okay, is the biggest threat is squirrels. Because they'll like, like chew through the wires. Oh, like and everything the electric yeah. grid. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all planned, man. Kind of a nuisance animal. Squirrels are drones. Yeah. <laughs> They're weird, <laughs> man. <laughs> but they figured out uh, baleen whales, which include uh, humpback whales, and uh, they studied them. The the, uh, the way they're able to sing underwater has eluded scientists since whale songs were first discovered more than fifty years ago. I feel like we didn't know about whale songs before 50 years ago. There's like people been around. Well, because everyone would have to take like drunken pirates seriously in order to believe that. Right. You know, these guys did think that manatees were mermaids, so their stories if, were a little suspect. Was there, did they talk about whale songs in Moby Dick at all? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, they have. While toothed whales, which include dolphins and killer whales, developed a vocal organ in their nose to produce sound, baleen whales are thought to use a larynx or voice box in their throat to do so, according to this new study published on Wednesday. A baleen whale's larynx is shaped differently from other mammals. It has long, rigid, cylinder-like cartilages that form a U-shape. The structural adaptation allows the Leviathan, that's always a cool name, mm-hmm. to breathe massive amounts of air in and out when they go to the surface. In the respiratory tract, the evolved nasal and oral plugs protect the airways from the water when the marine mammal breathes and eats. And the interesting thing that they figured out is they make uh, the frequency, the low frequency sounds that they make are very similar to to the noises made by human-made vessels. So the maximum sound of the whales is 300 hertz. The human-made vessels create noises which are 30 to 300 hertz near the ocean surface, which means that the boating noises kind of mass calls between the whales, reducing the distance over which they can communicate. So this is actually, figuring this out can help if we can get the boats to change the frequencies of their mating calls <laughs> their communication systems mm-hmm. then that could help the whales because the whales are you know now they're they're getting uh, having communication breakdowns because of uh, human vessels which we never a, knew I've been on a zeppelin kick lately you had to say <laughs> you had to say communication breakdown <laughs> yes it's all it all correlates, man. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, they've been figuring out a lot about whales. They've been 
you know, they did that, uh, that study where they were able to communicate with the whale. They like mimicked it and they were talking with the whale. Crazy. And now they're figuring out that some of the whales have, you know, were messing with their communication. So hopefully they can get, you know, stop that, man. What are you going to learn from a whale? I'm just like hungry all the time, man. (laughs) Well, according to the Dogon tribe in Africa, whales and dolphins came here from the Sirius star system. And they actually are the ones that taught humans about everything. Astronomy, agriculture. So long and thanks for all the fish. Mm Mm-hmm. And they went into the ocean, which is interesting, though, that, you know, because they are mammals, they actually did live on land. And there are fossils of whales with. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Well, so they like reversed with the whatever creature came mm-hmm. up on the. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the it's water. Water. yeah exactly. Like, yep. Yeah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun, guys. I'm going for a swim. I'll yeah, be back. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. Hmm, you never know. And uh, I don't know. How to, I don't know how to transition to this, but it has something to do with humans. Okay. The Y chromosome is vanishing. Ooh, wait, that's not good. That's that's the man chromosome, right? Yeah. <laughs> A new sex gene may be the future of men. Um, so does that mean like women will rule the earth in a few million years? Well, because that's that's as the human Y chromosome is degenerating and may disappear in a few million years, leading to our extinction unless we evolve a new sex gene. Well, or just legalize in vitro fertilization in states that. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I like how you tied that in there. Sorry. We are a progressive <laughs> talk station. Yes. The good news is two branches of rodents have already lost their Y chromosome and have lived to tell the tale. Ah, what a callback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a recent paper in uh, Proceedings of the National Academy of Science shows how the spiny rat has evolved a new male determining gene. Uh, in humans, as in other, as females have two X, male has a single X, and a puny little chromosome called Y. But it's so important. Why is it so important? Because it's the Y chromosome. Leave it to a rat to be the yes. downfall of man. <laughs> or the savior. Or the savior, yeah. Because it's the one that's the one showing that does, us yeah. we still might survive if we can do what the, the humble spiny rat did. If men could evolve to what the rat does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it is the rats. You know, once we blow ourselves up with, uh, you know, nuclear weapons, the <laughs> rats and the roaches will be mm-hmm. the ones to survive. And Keith Richards, their king. Of course. He'll never die. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also Australia's, Australia's platypus has completely different sex chromosomes. No. <laughs> the platypus? Yeah, I bad. feel like the platypus comes up often during Because uh, it's a science. freak. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a web-footed walking freak. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like the platypi, but I... Yeah, it, it's, a, it's cool. a very odd creature. Mm-hmm. It might hold the key, maybe to our survival. <laughs> Either that, is, or it's an experiment gone wrong. <laughs> this thing broke out of the lab, <laughs> so we just let it assimilate to society. <laughs> well, there is also a going from uh, inside of us to outside of us. Is a mysterious wave-like structure in our galaxy found to be slowly slithering (laughs) its way towards annihilating Earth. Uh Uh-oh. Was it like a space worm (laughs) or something? It's a really slow alien laser that's just waving its way towards us. Don't lasers move straight? What's up with this wonky laser? It's, you know, it's a frequency. Oh, okay. Moving on wavelengths? Yeah. Okay. That's what a laser is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, laser's just a uh, focused Yeah, focus. Frequency. Yeah, frequency. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but once it gets out in space, yeah. it gets wavy, man. Yeah, because nothing's holding it, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what this is. No, okay. Um, <laughs> Darn it. I know. If only. This is why I'm not smart. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just a few years ago, scientists discovered a huge wave-like structure extending some 9,000 light years. We're talking about light years earlier. Yeah. In length. Snaking along a spiral arm of the Milky Way, just 500 light years from the solar from our solar system, at its closest point. See, it's not that far. Um, <laughs> Only 9,000 years away at the speed of light. 
<laughs> it's named the Ratcliffe Wave. The squiggle of star-forming gas is in itself a remarkable discovery. And uh, scientists have learned one thing. Like many objects in the Milky Way, the Ratcliffe Wave is in motion. So dun-dun-dun-dun. For all the other things that are going to get us. Yes. And I guess we uh, we can end it on this one because we haven't even talked about it. And this is kind of, you know, fits in with the whole science thing and and space, but a little more closer to Earth on the moon. We just recently had the first private company lander, first uh, U.S. spacecraft to land on the moon in 50 years mm-hmm. has uh, fell on its side. And now it's going to sleep like a turtle good Just night can't, can't good flip night, that thing back over yeah <laughs> didn't build a <laughs> an arm its leg. Itself, yeah yeah Time odysseus odysseus mm-hmm. or odie as they call it poor odie it did uh, it did share one farewell image after its lunar face plant which is kind of cool looking because you could see uh you can see the sun and you can see the the, the earth a little crescent Shape of the Earth. Oh, I thought it was like way a really, in the like, background. Dark close up of like a pebble or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually did get like a cool picture. Yeah, it could have yeah. just been the ground. Yeah, um, but they don't know because actually it's turning off because right now it, it goes into uh, two weeks of darkness on the moon. Oh, okay. But because it's powered by solar, solar yeah, energy. We, they don't know if it's going to wake back up because it actually it did fall when it Daisy, when it landed. <laughs> One of the talking about lasers did hurry it up. Uh, they had a malfunction with the craft's landing lasers and forced to use the backup. And the lander snapped one of its six legs upon touchdown, causing it to fall and bump its head against a rock. So we will find out in a couple weeks if it's still alive. If not, farewell. Good night, Alvida Zane. Goodbye. Godspeed, Odie. <laughs> you done good, sweet prince. Yes. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll be back again next week, every Saturday, 6, 7 p.m., right here on WCPTA 20, Think Theory Radio. Saturday.